Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty good. You've had a lovely evening yeah. um, reseeding your graphs. Yes. Excellent. And that's not a euphemism. So, um, depending on where we are in time, we're in the middle of our uh, types of integration little series. We have just talked about um, RPCs, remote procedure calls, and we have also spoken about file transfer, but today we are going to talk about your favourite... Messaging! <laughs> Is it your favourite? Uh, it's probably, uh, I don't know. It's a toss-up between that and RPC, I think. Yeah. The way we ended RPC last time, I think we realised that RPC was everyone's favourite. It's just it's just the pinnacle of um, like integration evolution, RPC. Soon everything will be RPC. Everything. Uh, but for now, we still have messaging. Woo! You said a good word earlier. Why is messaging like always there, but nobody really knows or cares? Yeah. Um... Why is it that everyone's familiar with the concepts of RPCs, things like APIs and HTTP and services and service reuse, and people just aren't really that familiar with messaging concepts? I feel as though people only ever, only seem to come across them when they're in big enterprises. Like, it's only when you're working at a project in, like, financial institution that you ever or come across. Or insurance or, or, or yeah. like, some or a retailer that's been in business for at least 20 years, that you ever find, like, hardcore, died-in-the-wall messaging systems. So I was thinking, why is that? Why is it that if you went up to, like, some super hipster, uh, I've just come out of my coding boot camp, and I know all about Rust and Go and React, they're familiar with RPCs, but no one ever seems to come across messaging. Nobody just shouts out, let's get messaging in here, yeah! If you, the noble listener... Have not heard our RPC podcast yet. Listen to that, and then we're going to talk about messaging now. And then, if you let's let's see at the end whether whether we can answer why RPC is ubiquitous. Good word, by the way. Mm. So, what is messaging? Why do we care? Messaging is a layer between applications which supports asynchronous communication. And once the message has been submitted, the sender no longer needs to be uh, conscious of it or aware of it its unit of work is done. Yeah, exactly. So we stick messaging, smack bang in the middle of two or more applications, mm -hmm. and we send messages from application A to the messaging service, and the messaging service will hold that until the second application is ready to pick it up. Would you describe messaging as middleware? It's a type of middleware. Middleware is just a phrase coined to describe uh, the middle section between uh, web, a web browser coming into an entry level, so like a, a load balancer followed by some form of application, which then goes to messaging, which then takes it off to a system of records. Mm. I've also heard middleware as being described as somewhere between like the the hardware and the software when you kind of you kind of put it into like a position in the stack sort of up, up and down the stack between like systems of engagement systems of record i've also seen middleware described as between software and hardware because if something's running on a piece of middleware 
doesn't normally need to be um, aware of kind of like the actual resources. Yeah. I once, I once, uh, I think I got like got the stink eye, and I described Kubernetes as well. It's a container middleware. They didn't really like the word middleware, but I, wow. but I stand by that definition that Kubernetes is a container middleware. It, that that is what it is. Yeah. Messaging is sending of small packets of data between two communicating applications and what's typically important is that that those packets of data should be small so we're not talking about sending entire files across the channels we're talking about small packets of data sometimes what we do is break that file up into multiple messages it could be that if you've got a file which has got very maybe many rows in it or many many lines in it that 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 you might split those up into individual messages for the purposes of well, the purpose of how those messages then get consumed by another application. The ideal, I think, is small, small packets of data. Uh, messaging comes in uh, two types, or message, what we often call it is message queuing. And um, this is uh, almost a one-to-one relationship, relationship which you might call queue-based. Um, and what that means is that you queue messages on the messaging system in some form of temporary location. Message queuing is not a database. It, it should not be used as a database and you shouldn't intend to have your messages stored on a message queue for all eternity. The, it, it's purely for waiting until the second application is ready to start processing messages. Yes, it's not as though um, a queue is ever intended to be a message's final resting place. It's only an intermediate step between another application or applications taking that message and then processing it and doing whatever. Um, I feel as though you missed off the you missed off the punchline of that uh, of, of the little phrase where you have to say that messages and messaging and message queuing it is not a database, but you should treat it like one. Yeah, from from the from the point from the point of view of like. Yeah, from the point of view of backups and um, resilience, that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, message message queuing is often um, very stateful, isn't it? You, The expectation is that application A has handed it off to the messaging layer because it expects that the messaging layer will be able to keep it and will be able to hand it off to application B when it's ready. So like you say, that's where this, this, it's not a database, but it should be treated like one because of the amount of state that we expect message queues to, to hold. Yeah. And before we start saying, oh, state is a bad thing, you can also be aware that the existence of this messaging layer means that application A and application B have had their lives made a lot simpler because they no longer really need to care that much about it. They are now both, uh, they're, they're now they, they are both now can potentially be stateless applications depending on their other functionality. But because they know that they're, they've got like a resilient backend or front end that's managing their input and output, it means that the development of those applications and the management of those applications is now a lot easier. Yeah, that's definitely a benefit. Once a message is sent, is confirmed on the message queue system, it gets deleted from application A. And once it goes off the message queue system onto the back onto application B, it no longer exists on the messaging systems. That's it. Once it's been sent, it's been sent. And that that applies to much like wider things like um once and once only principles uh, that are embedded in the um message orientated middleware. So are there uh, what's the other type of um messaging system? 
other type that would be pub sub publish and subscribe not not pub as in like uh, where you get your pint no not not sub as in that thing that goes under the water or sub as in like a pub for a beer sub for a subway like a sandwich go to the pub then for a sub pub sub <laughs> okay great stay on topic so what is pub sub pub sub is normally where you have uh we talked about the relationship of applications and ending message queuing as one-to-one with publish and subscribe you're now able to um push that message out to many so it could be that you've got application a publishing a message but then you've got many applications that subscribe and so we'll receive that message or that 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 small piece of data PubSub uses uh, something called a topic. Mm. My favourite example is football scores. So I use an app called SofaScore, and what that does is that that tells me the second uh, goal is scored. Basically, as a publisher, so the application pushes when a goal is scored. So this is hierarchical. Yes. The next. I feel. I feel you need to say is, that a, yes. a topic is. Uh, it's a big data structure. It's a big data structure with many kind of um, spines, many stems and leaves coming off it. So you'd have English football and then off that you'd have like Premier League or League One, League Two. Then offshoot from that would be all the different teams. So in the Premier League you might have Liverpool. On the offshoot of that might be specific players like Sadio Mane. And then you'd for that might have goals at the Liverpool layer, have um, matches. And then within there, have a bunch of statistics or information about who scored, who passed, etc., etc. Mm. So that means that every time there's an, that something happens, you can send a message, publish it to that topic, and anyone who's interested in that topic can subscribe. So anyone who's interested in when Sadio Mane scores can can subscribe to that full topic of, of Sadio Mane goals. Anyone who's just interested in any goals that happen in the whole of Premier League can just subscribe to English football premier league and what this means is that we can obviously send messages to lots of different subscribers and it just goes firing off to the relevant people yeah and again it kind of goes back to sort of keeping that uh, message that unit of data as small as possible because the way that applications will will be subscribed they'll be subscribed so that they only get they only take in the data that is relevant and not more than is necessary does pubsub still use queues i don't know aiden does pubsub use queues I think it does on certain uh, pieces of messaging software. Aiden, would you like to talk about uh, event stream processing? So event stream processing um, uses PubSub functionality to basically broadcast events to a series of different subscribers or people who are who are yeah subscribing to that event, mm. but they function differently, don't they? I would say that the PubSub pattern is reused. So I would say that it's it's still it's still the same it's the same logical sort of architecture. You've got many subscribers that need information. However, when you're talking about uh, event stream processing, you're normally thinking in terms of like event-driven architectures. They're not as kind of you must get every message. It's kind of you'll you'll get the events that that you're there for. Whereas I sometimes think of PubSub without any kind of qualifier. It's kind of assumed that you're doing you're doing PubSub in a in a in a classical uh, messaging topology where you will not uh, all all messages are kind of assured and reliable, and you will not lose messages. And it's very important that 
everyone gets everything. I think it's the I think it's the it's that event stream processing. In has like one store of all the messages, and each of them are indexed, and any any one person can jump back and can pull that index and see what message was on that index. Whereas in a message queue based system, oh, the message is not the event. The message is replicated for every subscriber to the publisher topic. So it's like if there's 20 subscribers, there'll be 20 copies of that message all going through this uh, message queue system. So it's like PubSub built on top of message queuing. So there'll be 20 messages, whereas with event stream processing, what actually happens is there's one stream of data and people just hook up and, and pull from that where they need to with things like offsets, etc. Peter, can I do it? Can I do my history bit? Oh, crikey, you've not done your history bit. You've not done, I've not your, done my history you've bit. You've not done your Tony Robinson from Time Team. <laughs> so, where did messaging come from? Uh, the, well, the concept of a queue came from old punch card systems, or at least this is what I've been told. If it's wrong, then um, my message queue mentors will, won't, won't hear the end of it. Basically, they came from punch cards. So what you'd do is you'd have loads of punch cards coming in. They'd all sit on like an in-tray of the punch card machine that goes through and it reads them. And each of the punches works like a CS, like a comma-separated value. So every time there's a punch, you can also read sort of the delimiter. What would happen is you'd queue up all of your punch cards and then you'd do a batch processing of all those punch card reads and you'd basically fire up the machine, run all the punch cards through, and they'd all come out at the opposite side, again, to a, to a final queue after they'd been processed. Um, so this is where like the queuing came from, because you'd, you'd put your punch card in a queue ready for processing. And that's also where things like batch processing comes from. So a common queuing technique is to drop messages onto a queue over time. And even if the application isn't necessarily too busy to pick up off that queue it'll wait till a later time because if it starts processing them uh, it might take a lot of time I, I can't believe that you've told a story about punch cards without including any kind of horror story about someone dropping the punch cards and not being able to put them back in exactly the right order that they were when they were like in the stack or the other horror story about some huge, great, long-running program that kept crashing and they couldn't figure out why until they found out that one of the cleaners was uh, just taking one of the punch cards out of the stack and using it to like sweep up the dirt at the end of like the night shift cleaning rotor. Yeah, well, all the all the stories I've had have been like reminiscent and positive, and maybe maybe I spoke to people that. To be fair, they were miss on, miss the, the good old days of, of punch cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, bring bring it all back. We've got containers now. What do they even do? Isn't this just mainframes? Oh, well, you see, as as containers get simpler, and um, eventually maybe we'll be able to um, use write them using punch cards. <laughs> Aiden, you were just about to talk about the what we've identified as the benefits of messaging. Well. A specific benefit on the back of the punch card, which is the fact that you can queue the messages. So if you're doing application A to application B, you don't overload application B with messages. And what you can do is be clever about when you send it messages. So that, say I'm a retailer, 9 till 5, application B is, is hard pressed to get payments through. What I might do is uh, queue up supplier payment and deal with them in batch at the evening when there's a lull, so like 2 o'clock in the morning. 
I would call that batch processing. And what that means is that you as application B don't have to worry about being able to cope with uh, the throughput, but you can actually process things when you've got downtime, which means that you're getting the most use out of your application at all times. Now that probably has less of an effect these days when you can rapidly scale your applications using cloud services. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I think I think what you're saying is correct. I think it it means that your application B, your backend application, is able to kind of make better use of its resources. You're also pointing out the subtle benefit that a kind of messaging system allows, in a way, for some sort of traffic shaping. You could describe it as because the the peaks and troughs kind of get sort of approximate get averaged out, and so your application B can sort of consume these messages at a steady rate and yes, not get overwhelmed and be, be well utilised. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's a good thing. I think another one is that we often see messaging in like um, financial sectors. Mm -hmm. And that's just a benefit in itself. <laughs> that's a benefit. The other one that we like, like to be told was uh, how they used to get mainframes in through Windows. But the big shock was they're still there. They're still running millions of processes every day. And I think that's uh, indicative of of sort of the trust that we have for messaging. Or it could be just how entrenched these mainframe systems are. We don't want to jump onto talking all, only about mainframes, but the messaging aspect is still used massively. Mm. And I think the reason that is, is because it's seen as a reliable way to assure delivery of messages from application A to application B. So you remove the dependencies for the two applications to have to communicate with each other. And instead you've got this reliable not database, but treated like a database middleware. Yes. That can store messages temporarily, ready to send on when the applications are ready for them. So even if application B is down, it's it's got that message. Yes, you know, each in intermediate hop between applications or between services or whatever, you know your your message is, is, is safe. So if there's a huge, great, I don't know, horrendous crash and everything goes to pot you know that your um you know your message is fine and if say uh, there's a huge great system failure while a message is in the middle of being processed by one of these applications well you know there's technologies and patterns things like um two-phased commits that mean that um you still won't lose your message that's uh, floating around your estate because of this and I think this gives people a nice, well, warm, fuzzy feeling that this is a very a very safe and a very sort of extensible solution for them to implement. They know they're not going to, because they're not going to lose things, it's very tempting to sort of want, want to integrate your applications with it. And I think that, I think we can't mention these benefits without potentially mentioning the limitation, which is, okay, now I've got this messaging system I need to handle. I need to make sure that it's available. I need to make sure that it's retaining state. I need to make sure that it's replicating data in case of an outage. So you have got the extra administration of that middleware layer. It is a limitation in that it's, you've got to now pay and maintain yeah, it. It's it's big effort, but you've got to think about it in terms of... You've got to put effort into, into maintaining this, but that means you don't have to put effort into individual resiliency and HA and state implementations of all these other little applications that are hanging off the uh, the messaging layer because otherwise Swings yeah you'd have house. to build that into application a and application b and application c and you'd have to replicate it everywhere so 
on an economy of scale, if you've got 100 applications, that would be 100 one-to-one communications that you'd need to build all this into. And obviously not all those applications will be able to do that easily. It might not be at, like, out of the box. But I feel like messaging has specifically evolved for that reliability, for that assurance. I think about how people consume yeah cloud services when they are when you when you talk about application development people just want to write their code and do their business functionality they don't want to be thinking about oh let's think about resilience let's think about the state and and, and making sure and think of what happens when it fails they kind of expect the platform to be to be kind of giving them those benefits and it's the same with it's the same with using a shared messaging layer i think well, that, that leads us, I think, back to the question you had earlier, which about why is why is remote procedure calls so um, sexy, so flashy? Like, yeah, why is it? Why do people like it? So why do people know it? Why do people want to use it? You don't get, yeah, let's build me- let's build messaging into into our relatively small application. Woo! Mm. And I think that's because messaging normally has a, a style of state which you have to look after and you have to adhere to. And mm. even in like container platforms, you've got to do something with that state. You've got to look at replica sets, stateful sets. You've got this state which makes everything a bit more complex. You are the reliable, assured part of the entire transaction down to, say, like a system of record maybe. And it just doesn't get hearts bumping. Yeah. Nobody thanks you if it goes right. It's like, yes, we expect a messaging system to do that and when it goes wrong you know it's gone wrong whereas rpcs and apis it's like i'm i want to get the location of all the stores for this retailer if that goes wrong on your browser or on your phone you just refresh it doesn't matter but if it goes wrong when you say send a payment on messaging well then you could be losing money or your transaction doesn't go through oh so maybe something slightly controversial to bring up now. I think maybe maybe you have to reach a certain size before messaging really really pays off. Because say if if you're if you're building sort of hello world or, or or something of that kind of scale, perhaps you don't need a messaging layer. Perhaps you just need one web server and one database. As in, you don't need to go containers and Kubernetes and all these cloud platforms. You just need um uh. I'll, I'll buy two. I'll buy two VMs from AWS. Uh, one is going to run Apache. The other one's going to run uh, Flavor of the Month database. That's it. You might. You might only need. You might only need messaging once you've got. Um. Once you've got these multiple applications that have all got to interplay together, and so you might not need messaging on day one. But suppose my little one web server, one database grows into a bigger company and i've now got multiple departments i've got to integrate all these products uh i've split up my core business functionality so it's easier to manage but it means i've got lots of little areas of functionality and services that got to hook together that's like the perfect use case for some kind of maybe some centralized type messaging so maybe that's why we don't hear about it because it's it's always kind of there in the same way that um it's like it's like the people that manage the VM estate or the directory server at Netflix, and I'm about to think, I wonder when we're going to be on the engineering blog. But the thing is, if you think about it, things like I don't know a directory server and email are some of the most core things for an organisation, but they're also the, uh, the the least sexy. So there you go. Go back to your point about how big you are. Mm. Like it's like we were saying about the cost of the middleware system. Yeah. If you're having application A talk to application B, or even if you've just got application A talking to four other applications, does it matter if 
you've got a middleware system because you could build in transactionality into that into that system that might have a cost but there's only a few services so who cares if you're expanding and there's a hundred of these you want the application to be able to process as quick as possible. If they are doing transactionality and wait and having to be waiting for application B, C, D, E, and F to be available, then you've got to start tying in that state leverage into the application A. So I think you're right. It's all about size and scale. And I don't know at what point that messaging becomes prime. And, and this is like the conversation I've had with you before about how there's a natural growth to business where places like Monzo haven't reached yet, they can do things in a slightly more modern, agile container way. It, it looks like big traditional companies are sluggish, but that's not necessarily true because in reality, it's just that they've got a much more complicated network within the amount of products that are sold and the amount of contracts that they've got to keep from previous contracts. And some of these, you know, I think some of the other financial services have been around for hundreds of years they've still got to one of those agreements and that's all got to be baked into the IT system. And I think that complexity comes with time and with that complexity comes the requirement for the less sexy integration types. Good. Good. <laughs> right, so <laughs> um, I think we actually hijacked uh, PubSub a little, which um, is the benefits are that you can send to lots of people. Yeah, good. Good, PubSub pub done. No, PubSub's are good. It's, uh, you use it a lot for things like IoT, although it's very blurred between when it becomes event-driven and when you're just using PubSub. Yeah. When, when, when should you use PubSub and when should you use like an event-driven architecture, Aiden? If you could fit that into just two minutes because we're getting towards the end now. So there's, there's a brilliant article by, by a guy called Callum Jackson. We'll put a link to it in in the, note. the notes and he's he basically says in here it depends what you're trying to do the, the gist is that you can make any technology work for any scenario and i think queue-based PubSub and event stream could work for a number of different case use cases and it might depend on what is already there so if you already got a messaging system just build PubSub sub on top of that mm -hmm. if you start from scratch why not use event driven event, event stream processing with an event driven architecture so a, a good example of event driven architecture with event stream processing is probably twitter mm -hmm. an event is a tweet and there is a big index of tweets that that anyone can go and access it doesn't generate a message for everyone who has followed a specific person. What it might do is create a message for every person to send a notification. This person has tweeted mm. and you haven't, they've not tweeted in a while. That might be a, a message, but the actual event is indexed and you, you pull from that when you search for a specific tweet, for example. Whereas um, sending error logs to a bunch of different log services I think that is more likely to be PubSub message queue because all, you've got one message, but you want that sent, that same message, a replica of that message sent to all of your different services. They're the two examples I could think of, but I think it's very situational. So Peter, does that, does that, does that tie with what you're thinking of PubSub with queue-based or over event streams? Or I would, I would, The only thing I would highlight is the fact that um, it's truly, it truly goes back to the sort of reliable messaging and whether it's whether things can work if um whether it's acceptable in your use case for things to be able to uh, exist without receiving one message so 
I think Twitter's a good example. The world's not going to end if I don't see someone's tweet. But if it was, yeah, some kind of a serious business uh, monitoring system where all of these uh, parties must receive it, then I would probably want something a bit more robust, like a like a PubSub based on some sort of reliable messaging platform. I think we've explored messaging. What would your summary of, of what we've talked about today be, Peter? So my summary of today would be that we've discussed the different sort of concepts in the world of messaging, so queue-based, PubSub, and then event-driven. Uh, we've discussed the, the fundamentals of each type, uh, when they're good, and we've discussed the benefits of them, and we've discussed the fact that you'll never use them because you'll always use remote procedure calls. Well, you will use them, oh, well, you, but when you use them, you won't talk about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and nobody will talk about you using them. Yeah. <laughs> So my summary would be messages, small packets of data, um, messaging is sending them across a channel. Then you've got message queuing or the queuing of messages allows your applications to be decoupled. We've talked a little about how it might not be best for all people, for all circumstances, and you might not see it much in smaller implementations because it might not make sense. But actually, especially in big big systems and where you need that reliability and the, and the assurance and you need that at scale, definitely a, a message-based system is is what might be right for you so on that note i think thank you for listening yes thank you for listening catch us next time bye lovely that's all for this week thank you for listening bye-bye goodbye bye.